Blog Talk Radio. Well, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord. You are now live with the Word on Wednesday. I am Pastor Winfred Burns, and we are once again continuing our study in First Kings. And although it looks like we're we're going kind of slow, we're being thorough, and we're making sure that that each one of the um, concepts call it, that you need to understand your understanding. And what's more important, getting through something fast and not understanding what you read or taking our time. I choose to take our time because the word is like a good meal to me, and I'm not rushing through anything. Uh, I'm going to enjoy and, and, and enjoy the flavor of it all. How about you? So I'm not choking this down. I'm I'm gonna chew on it a little bit, amen. So with nothing, with without further ado, um, let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive right into the word tonight. Uh, Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and praise you. We magnify your name. For you are good, and your mercy endures forever. I do it just so wonderful. You're so precious. You are so faithful. You are so loving. You are so kind. You are so powerful. You are our protector. You are our healer. You are our deliverer. You are our shelter in the time of storm. You lead and guide us. You woke us up this morning. You give us health and strength, and we bless you for it. Father, tonight as we go into your word, we ask that you would give us understanding, that you would make it plain to us that we would know what you would have us to do, what you would have us to learn. So lead us into your word tonight, O God. Speak to us collectively and individually, and we'll be so thankful and give you all praise, all glory, and all honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight, what we want to do is we want to go right back over to 1 Kings. And in going over to 1 Kings, I want to remind you of the thing, the thing that we learned last week. And that was that Solomon asked God for a heart that hears and understands. He asked him for a discerning heart. He asked for understanding. And he asked for this so he could lead the people of God. He understood it. You know, it's one thing to have an anointing and another thing to know what to do once you have that anointing. And there are a lot of anointed people out here, a lot of people who have been given assignments, anointed to fill positions anointed to, um, to accomplish God's purpose and his will on the earth who don't know how to do it and have failed to go back and ask God, hey, how do I do this? Because God is, wants to equip us. As a matter of fact, when we look over in um, 
when we look in the New Testament, one of the things that he says in Corinthians is that he gives gifts for the equipping of the saints. So not only does God anoint you, meaning set you aside for to do something, but then he equips you and he empowers you. Now the empowerment comes when you are filled with the Spirit. The equipping comes when you are filled with knowledge. And one of the things that, that, I, that I'm going to rail and rant and rave about is the fact that not enough of us, not enough of us take Bible study and sitting before God and listening to God uh, serious. I mean, we sometimes I think we, we think that we can operate by osmosis, um, that it will just come to us. No. Nothing can be farther than from, from the truth. Yes, you have gifts, and yes, you have talents. And I, I, I try to explain, and when I explain it, you, a guy can hit, have, the, have great hand-eye coordination, and is able to hit a baseball. But in order to, per, per, how did I put it? In order to perfect his craft, in order to bring perfection to the craft, he has to practice. He has to get in that batting cage or a cook. She might she might be able to cook some things. Good evening. Um, but in order to perfect the craft of cooking or whatever gifting that you have, you have to know. You have to have the ability to to um, to go and practice. And the same with the Word of God. You got, hey, how you doing? Uh, you have to go in and you have to get in that word and you need to, and spend time with God and spend time with prayer, in prayer with that word in order, in order to move beyond that, that initial anointing. Mm -hmm. It says, study to show thyself approved a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God tells him in the Old Testament, he says, look, put that word as a frontlet. Put it on your doorpost. Wrap it around your head. Keep it always before you. Why? Because if you want to walk in the perfect will of God, you've got to learn how to walk in his word. And how can you walk in his word? if you are not in your word. And so I, I'm going to keep hammering that and keep hammering that and keep hammering that because, again, you don't learn it just by listening to other folk talk about it. You learn it by getting into it and doing it. A whole lot of folk could talk about the word. They can quote scripture. Uh, you know, those five or six or seven passages that they know that they've heard and that they've repeated over and over and over and over again. But can you execute against his word when you don't know it? No, you can't do it. It ain't happening. And so make sure that you're spending your time in the word. And before I forget it, um, make sure that you share this broadcast. So hit the share button so we can invite others in to the Bible study. But anyway. Last week, Solomon asked for that, that hearing heart. This week, let's find out what happens. Go to 1 Kings um, 
chapter, I believe we're in chapter 3. Yeah, we're still in chapter 3. And for those of you who've been missing out, look up the video. Look up the video. Now, remember, uh, God's granted Solomon's prayer, and he showed him, he says, not only that, but I'm going to bless you with riches since you didn't ask for that. Okay? Uh, let's go to verse 16. Chapter 3, verse 16. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while your servant, was, while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. But the other woman said, No, the living child is mine, and the dead child is yours. The first said, No, the dead child is yours, and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Now, what a dilemma. First of all, before I go any further, you have two prostitutes, and you have to understand that prostitution then and prostitution now is not something that most women desire to be in. So before we begin to look down our nose at women who have fallen into prostitution, we need to look at ourselves. Prostitution is a failure of society. Prostitution is one of society's greatest failures. Women in those days who fell into prostitution uh, could have come there by a number of means. Number one, they could have been victims of slavery. They could have been victims of death. Three, they could have been um, victims of widowhood because they, um, they, their husband died, they didn't have a son, they, they fought, fell into economic hard times. And so this, was the, this became their lot in life to be used by men for money. Nowadays in society, there are numerous ways, even more than, than the ones that I've just named. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of ladies fall into prostitution simply because they were abused as children. Uh, they, their parents didn't take care of them properly. Uh, other times, women fall into prostitution, and men and boys, by the way, fall into prostitution because they're sold into it. 
as children. So um, why are you going to this thing as prostitutes? Because in looking at this story, I don't want us to marginalize or minimize these people because of their place in society, and I want us to be sensitive toward the plights of those who fall into sexual slavery or the sex traits. We need to always look and say, you know what, I don't know how they got there, but what can I do as a member of society to help get them out of it? And anything that you could do, and I don't, I don't know the solution to the problem, but I'm just making sure that we understand what this problem is and that we, as a society, and especially as Christians, that we have the proper viewpoint of this, namely that it is a failure of society. And oh, by the way, one of the, that we have a responsibility to go and help them and help them get up and help them get out. And oh, guess what? Guess who associated themselves with prostitutes and, and wine-bibbers and sinners? Jesus himself. Because what does Jesus say? I came to save those that are sick. And these people have a sickness, and we, as agents and ambassadors of God, have an obligation, just as this king, to go and assist them and give them what they need. Amen? So, going on. So, you, you see the story. These two women are living in the house together. Now, notice that they said there was no one else there. So it wasn't a client that did this. It wasn't a visitor that did this. They were in the house alone. And a baby comes up dead. This is presented to Solomon. Why does the writer of kings present this at this time. Well, let me tell you what he's doing. First of all, he's showing that God fulfills his promise to Solomon to give him uncommon supernatural wisdom. Let's look at the solution. Then the king says, I'm at verse 23. Then the king said, the one says, this is my son that is alive. And your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead, and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son. Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman, and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the king had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king, because they perceived 
that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. The wisdom of God was in him to do justice. So what the people saw was that God had enabled King Solomon. He had given him the anointing of a king. Because one of the functions of a king was to bring justice to all people. Now do you see why they, they use the prostitute, the story of the prostitute? Because the, this king is going to bring justice to all levels of society. This king shows that he is accessible to all levels of society. This king shows that he is not above the people, but he is with the people. One of the things as anointed leaders, wherever you are, and again, I, 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 I always say that we are all anointed for something. He placed us in the body as he sees fit. He gives you a leadership role somewhere. There is something that only you can do. And one of the things that you must be able to do, no matter where you are, no matter what position you sit in, no matter what God has assigned you to do, is you must be accessible and you must be fair and you must bring forth that which God has anointed you to bring. And what did he anoint you to bring forth? He, or Solomon to bring forth. He anointed Solomon as king to bring forth justice. What is justice? The right way. Just law. Just rule. That is what God wants of all of us to bring forth justice. It's not justice is not uh, as they say. Justice is not prejudice. Justice is not just for black folk, or justice is not just for white folk. Justice is for all people, the rich and the poor. One of the things that the scripture tells us to do is show no partiality to any man, to any. Don't be partial to the rich. Don't be partial to the poor. Right down the middle, everybody gets the same thing. That's justice. Amen? So, and so what, what God does is God puts Solomon on display and shows the people that, yes, he has that anointing to be king. But then he goes further. Let's go into chapter 4 because, it, first of all, he's enabled to rule over the people. But then there's something that happens in chapter 4, and if you if you got your Bible open right now, you're saying, oh, look at all these names, and what does this mean to me? Well, let's figure it out real quick, because we're not skipping anything. We're going to glide through it, but we're not going to skip it, okay? It says, King Solomon, I'm at chapter 4, verse 1 now. We finally got out of chapter 3. Chapter 4, verse 1. King Solomon was king over all Israel, and these were his high officials, Azariah, the son of Zadok, was the priest. Elihofreth and Ahijah, the sons of Shisha, were secretaries. 
Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, was in command of the army. Zadok and Abiathar were priests. Azariah, the son of Nathan, was over the officers. Zebud, the son of Nathan, was priest and king's friend. Ahishar was in charge of the palace. And Adonaram, the son of Abda, was in charge of the forced labor. So what is he doing? Solomon is getting in. What we're seeing here is an organization, how Solomon set up the officials around him to enable the people to live in prosperity. One of the, and now, look at who he has around him. Zadok was the priest. Now, uh, you remember who Zadok is and why Zadok is in that priesthood. It is the fulfillment of a, a promise that God made back in uh, 1 Samuel when he said that um, the house of Eli was going to lose the priesthood and it would, the priesthood would be transferred. Well, you saw that he sent uh, Abiathar home, told him, go home, you're out, okay, you're out. And, and he promotes Zadok to be his priest. Now, then you see, uh, did you notice Nathan's name in here? Well, Nathan, Azariah is Nathan's son, and so was Zabai, Nathan's son. So he brings Nathan's sons to him. What are you seeing here? Hmm. Well, when David was talking with um, Solomon on his deathbed, he told him to deal with his enemies, but he also told him to deal with your friends. And this is one of those things where he says, you know what, people that have supported you, people that have been helpful to you, make sure you keep them near you, promote them, because those are the ones that are going to be faithful. And here he begins to implement that by bringing people that he can trust close to him. One of the things that we anointed people have a tendency to do is that we think that because we have the anointing, we can go and do it on our own. No. A three-fold cord is not easily broken. Always want to surround yourself with people who can assist you and who you can provide assistance to. This is not no one-way street. So oftentimes I look, I look around right now and it just angers me, um, this, this armor bearer thing. Now, I don't, it, it's a personal thing now. This is personal. Because I, I never, I didn't grow up with armor bearers. When, we, when I grew up in ministry early on, they had nurses but the nurses were there to assist the pastor, handing him water and, you know, if he oversweated and making sure that, you know, he took, they helped him, you know, get on and off, so to speak. But now you've got people that are walking around and carrying Bibles and going to the store and washing your car and, and just basically being your, your servant and, a lot of people make them feel like they're doing them a favor by letting them do that stuff for them. 
and they never, never so much as give them a quarter for doing this. I don't like that. Because, and let me tell you why I don't like it. It's because all of a sudden, you get, especially if you get a little name and notoriety, you got three and four and five people running in behind you. And let me say it like I feel it, okay? Because I, I know I'm, I'm not politically correct, okay? And if, if anybody ever accused me of being politically correct for a long period of time, they're lying on me because I'm never really politically correct, correct, and I don't really care what people think. But I'm gonna call it like I see it. You got them people being flunkies, and so you got a whole bunch of flunkies running in behind you. You're not sowing anything into them. You're not sowing anything into them. You're not. They're just hanging around, and you're just using them. And the Bible says that the greatest of these will be a servant to all. The greatest shall be a servant. In some kind of way, you've looked in that Old Testament, and you've seen that the prophets had servants around them. You need to study that so you can begin to understand exactly what that meant. Okay, because it didn't mean that. And so... Uh, no, we can't do it by ourselves. Yes, we do need help, but uh, the help is not your slave, and you need you need not you need to quit treating them that way. I, most of the time, when I'm out on the road and when I'm preaching, the closest thing to a servant that I have or a helper that I have with me is either my wife, my son, or my daughter. And you and you you know that they get greatly rewarded been that way my entire life. Why? Because I'm a servant. And so what do I as a servant look like with servants? People serving me hand and foot. No, 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 no. Beloved, we got we to gotta get out of those bad habits. And that's a bad habit. That is a bad habit. That's a bad look. And we do that and mm-mm, no. And yes, people admire the fact that you are a servant of God, that you are bringing the word, that that you are a great songstress or whatever. But mm-mm, all this serving stuff, get rid of it. Out, out, out. If they are there to help you, you make sure you're helping them. If they, if you, if you need help carrying bags and all of this kind of stuff, you make sure that you know they get compensated for it. But don't always be taken, 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 and never given. No, you be a blessing to them just like they're trying to be a blessing to you. But them being a servant, oh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. You, oh, excuse me, them being your servant, no. Amen? So, now, so Solomon shows his wisdom in choosing the people around him that will lead and serve the people of God. And the sad thing is that when they can't speak to folks when they're on duty. Yeah, I've seen that too. Because all of a sudden, they think that by being close to this um, prestigious individual, that it make that that gives them a sense of prestige. Jesus says of that uh, to be uh, that he talks about that to be seen of men, and he goes on to say, verily they have their reward. But what I'm really alluding to when I talk about this armor-bearer phenomenon is those who do it out of a sense of loyalty and wanting to help and laying their life, their time down on the line to help advance the ministry, and I never, 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 never get a chance to 
to reap the rewards or the benefits of that. I know one individual who goes in every uh, every Sunday, and they start their day at about 7 in the morning, and they end their day uh, at about 8 or, 8 or 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday, and then they have to be at work the following day. And if they try to say, you know what, I'm, no, I'm not feeling good or uh, today I need to be, you know, I can't come or something like that, they're frowned at. They're looked down upon. And when they brought it to me and was talking to me about it, I told them what I would do. And I said, first of all, you're a good one because that ain't happening. I ain't doing that. I wasn't called to do none of that. I, I was called to spread the gospel and to help spread the gospel. And carrying this individual's bags and stuff, <laughs> going to the store, making sure their clothes are clean, and going to, uh, no, 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 no. They better go, they better go get their kids to do that. And let me stop. Hey, y'all got me off on the tangent. Anyway, verse 7, Solomon had 12 officers over all Israel who provided food for the king and his household. Each man had to make provision for one month in the year. These were their names, Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim, Ben-Decker in Machaz, Shalbin Beth Shemesh, and Elon Beth Hanan, Ben-Heshed in Arobath. To him belonged Sokoth and all the land of Hefer, Ben-Abinadab ben in all Naphtador. He had Tapeth, the daughter of Solomon, as his wife. Banner the son of Ahilud in Tanach, Medigo, and all Bethshean, that is, beside Zaretha and below Jezreel. You know what y'all want me to do now? Y'all want me to get to the point, don't you? I do too because, man, these tongue-twisted names is wearing me out. Okay, so anyway, go all the way to verse 19. All them folks, what are they? These, this is how he now divided the rule of the land. He placed governors, and what you're seeing here is governors of certain territories throughout the land. And if you get on your map and begin to trace this out, some people have smaller territories, others have larger territories. And what he does is he gives them the territories according to their abilities to run them. So you'll, if, you, if you do a little, a, if you go and you get a, a map, and you begin to look at the territories the way Solomon divided the kingdom up, and they're available. You can Google them and see them. You'll see that he divides them up in such a way where um, some guys have a lot of influence, others have smaller influences. Some people are there in those positions for political purposes, and if they were apt politicians, and if they were apt, if they had great administrative skills, they got great. They got a greater portion of the land. But if they were just there because, hmm, I need to make sure that I have a friendly person in this area, just in case these folk get out of line, so we can get to me and I can get over here and I can take care of it. Solomon would put a person like that in place. And so what you're seeing is. Solomon's wisdom on display in administration. Solomon's wisdom is now on display in his administration of the kingdom. And what, and, and what you're also seeing here is Solomon, how he brings wealth 
to not so much to himself, but he bring he he institutes a system of taxation so he can run the palace, so he can run the kingdom, and he does it in he does it in a fair way, but it's a tough way. And one of the names that you saw up in those those first ones, and I want you to remember this, uh, in verse um, six where it says Ahishar was in charge of the palace, the name that I want you to pay particular attention to is that latter name, Adoniram, the son of Abda, was in charge of forced labor. Forced labor is going to be a key in the kingdom because Solomon is going to need, he's going to demand uh, that people um, work on a, a number of building projects. And so he's got to get a foreman for that. He's got to get a person in charge of it. So remember this guy, because this guy's going to come into play later on. But what you see is Solomon, the wisdom that Solomon used to administer uh, and organize the kingdom. Now, what does it mean to you? you got to get organized in your ministry. You have to be organized. And whatever you do, organization is the key for efficiency in utilizing and accomplishing the purpose of God. You know, saints, one of the things that I've noticed is that uh, a lot of us are very unorganized and we waste a lot of time when we are unorganized. I'm guilty. I am guilty. Matter of fact, uh, let me share something with you. I have been working for the past month just doing some organizing some things in my life. And I mean, really working, really working to organize this stuff. And I'm not even halfway there. Because one of the things um, lack of organization does is it makes you less efficient. So, and I'll be, I'll, I'll be very transparent. I'm cleaning out my garage. I got more stuff in my garage than the law allows. And I have been cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and cleaning and throwing away and reorganizing and finding stuff. I mean, I was at the point where I needed a certain tool, and I was researching how much the tool cost. And it was an expensive tool. The tool cost over $300. And I'm going in there and saying, I need this. And so I'm doing the research. Walked in my garage one day, and I looked over in the corner. I'm like, what is that over there? What's in that box? And I pulled the box out, and it was the tool that I needed. And not only was it the tool that I needed, but it was brand new. I had bought it about seven, eight years ago. Never took it out of the box. And that started me on the journey. Here I am getting ready to spend 300 and some dollars on a tool that I already own. Now let me really embarrass myself. I needed a vice, so I thought. So I went and bought one. I attached the vice to the table that I had. And then I started cleaning my garage out. You know what I found? I didn't find one vice that I owned. I didn't find two vices that I owned. I found three vices, three of them, 
that I owned already, but there was so much clutter and so so much disorganization that I didn't realize I still had them vices. Now, so what am I what am I embarrassing myself for out here for? Uh, same thing can be said for for a bunch of us. Some of the things that we think we need, we already have, but we're so unorganized that we're not taking advantage of. Solomon organizes himself in order to maximize, to maximize the blessings that God is going to allow to flow into the kingdom. We need to do the same thing. God in our ministries brings things, bring things to us. And we need to be organized in such a way that we can receive them, put them in their proper positions, and let them do the work that they that God has blessed us to do. He blesses us with the tools, and we need to be efficient in using them. We can't be like me, having a whole bunch of stuff and not knowing that we got it and then Big in the Lord, give me more, give me more, give me more. No, use what you got. Just get organized with it. I'm going to finish this chapter. Look at verse 20. Judah and Israel were as many as the sand by the sea. They ate and drank and were happy. Why did they eat, drink, and were happy? Because, number one, God had brought rest. Number two, God had brought organization. And number three, God had brought a king who was administering justice. He brought somebody that would lead them in to their prosperity. God has anointed many of us to lead folk into prosperity, to lead folk into a position where they can prosper, where they can be fruitful and multiply and be like Judah or Israel, as many as the sand on the sea, and everybody fat, full, and happy. That's what Solomon was anointed to do, and that's what he did. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the borders of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provisions, okay, we can skip all of that, but what it basically says is that Solomon had a, there was a big requirement to feed all of the people that ate at his table. And the way that those people got fed who were, that, that, that worked in the palace was through the taxes that the governors brought in. Skip down to verse 29. This is the key, and this this will uh, end this wisdom section. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand on the seashore, so that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and of all the people of Egypt, for he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan the Ezrite and Hermon and Kakol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish 
and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. This is God fulfilling the promise that he gave Solomon back in chapter 3 when it see, when he says at verse 11, and God said to him, because it's uh, chapter 3, verse 11, and God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind so that none like you has been before you and none like you shall arise after you. See that? A wise and discerning mind. What, is, what do we find in verse 4? The results of the blessing of God as God fulfills his promise to Solomon by giving him wisdom. And if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. So if wisdom is what you need, if understanding is what you need, ask God. He'll give it to you. If you don't understand what God has called you to do, ask him. And because your desire is to do the will of God, just like Solomon does, and, he say, and you say to him, Lord, help me to understand. Give me a listening heart so I could hear what you're saying, so I could do what you've told me to do. Watch what God does. These, these, these last couple of chapters, or the back part of three and four, was God's wisdom on display through Solomon, God fulfilling his promise. That's what we needed to get out of that, and that's what we got. Let's have a word of prayer. If you got any questions, put them up on the screen, and I'll answer them because I've run out of time. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we've come to say thank you, to bless you, to praise you. Our desire is to walk with you as we walk in that which you've anointed us to do and who you've appointed us to be. You've placed us in the body as you have seen fit, and now, O oh God, now, O oh God, give us hearts that hear. Give us obedient hearts. Give us hearts that follow hard after you, that we might lead the people into wealth and health and happiness. That we might lead them into wholeness. That we, too, might experience the same thing. God, we're not talking about bunch of money. We're talking about being wealthy in you, being happy in you, being whole in you, being the light that you've called us to be. We thank you, O oh God, that we, like Solomon, can lay our request before you because we desire you and you alone. We just want you and we just want to make you happy. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Okay, no questions, no questions. Oh, with that said, I will see you next Wednesday night, and I need to make a quick announcement. Um, after next Wednesday night, we won't have Bible study for at least two, possibly three weeks. And the reason for that is my wife and I will be leaving 
to go on an extended vacation. Uh, we're going to go and enjoy ourselves for two weeks. It might take a third to recover because we're actually going to the Mediterranean. I'm going to get a chance to see some of the things that I you know, have read about in the Bible, so I'm excited about it. I'll make the announcement again next week. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day, and you be blessed. Bye-bye.